I guess I just took that one from your Coco. You were drinking your tea. You weren't as ready as I am for Mark, who usually joins us on Mondays, was traveling yesterday morning, so we're catching up with him this morning. Mark, you missed Carlos. Well, he wasn't actually as devastated as you might expect no. following the Bills' loss to the Bengals. But how you doing, man? What's going on? I'm good. You know, everything was going great for me Saturday. I was watching the game. Sunday came, and my NFL prediction just went down the tube. So <laughs> we, didn't was, wanna, uh, we didn't want to bring that up. Disappointed as well. Yeah, all right. so, it is uh, all good. It's all good. You can't be right at everything, now. Mark, but uh, at least at least you try. At least you try. Uh, before we get into the weekend news, there was there is breaking news coming out of the NFL this morning, and that is the New England Patriots have hired Bill O'Brien, bringing up another familiar face back to the organization as their offensive coordinator. What do you think of that move? I love it. I think it's a great move. Uh, he's very familiar with Bill Belichick. He's familiar with the Patriot way. He, um, you know, obviously was very successful. And when you look back at Houston, as much as maybe people didn't appreciate him or it didn't go the way they expected, he had success there better than anybody else has for a long time. So I think it's a great move. I think it's going to bring some continuity, and, and we'll find out exactly who Mac Jones is and what he can do or is happy. But, uh, you know, I think it's a, a fantastic move. And uh, whether you like him or not, he's a, he's a really good offensive coordinator. And I believe there's familiarity there, too. When Mac Jones was at Alabama, wasn't Bill O'Brien right, right. in Alabama as well, too? So, um, very savvy move. See how that plays out. But uh, not so savvy is the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> and, look, I'll be the first to admit it. They deserve to lose that game. I've been very hard on this team the last two days. Based on you know what I saw, you know I, I wasn't surprised with with you know the end result. I was surprised with the way the result was in that game because I expected a, a, a bigger fight. But Mark, we all saw this coming the last four weeks with the way the Bills were playing and you know squeaking away with wins and the mistakes that they were making, and obviously it caught up to them. And I guess my question to you is is that when you have to do an autopsy of this team, of this Buffalo Bills team that has failed to meet the expectation that was put on them, where do you start with this team when you're talking about potential improvements? Hey, Carlo, it was hard. I mean, watching the game, I felt like you did. I actually was literally thinking about how you were reacting during the middle of the game. I'll be honest with you, Mark. I'll be honest with you. I didn't sweat one bit because I knew in the first quarter the game was over. Yeah, I think you saw what I saw. I mean, number one, I thought uh, defensively there's a couple pieces, right? Number one, they have to tackle better. I thought they tackled terrible through that the entire game. Uh, just couldn't finish off plays, and, and Cincinnati kept falling forward. So uh, a couple things I'm, they talked about in the game, too, but you know, finding another pass rusher is just absolutely critical for this football team. Uh, without Von Miller being there, they just have to have another person. I think, to me, they've got to still find another way to get a little bit faster on defense, especially at the linebacker position. So I think those two spots are what I'm going to be looking for specifically on defense. Yes, you can find a back-end player. I think you can find a safety if you need. But I really think it's more speed at the linebacker. Uh, you know, I like Mac Milano. Uh, I know he's been there for a long time, and I'm sure he's a Bills favorite. But, you know, he can cover a little bit. But I just feel like that's got to be an upgrade there. It's got to be somebody when you come across – you're worried about him coming downhill and just smashing people. And I think, again, the pass rusher is uh, the most uh, important part. I think on the offensive side, uh, you know, I- I've always said this about the Buffalo Bills. It always felt like, like they should have traded for Kareem Hunt. They needed a back to be the, the stud back. 
I love Cook. I like what he does. I think Singletary is good what he does. But they need that 220-pound back that says in snowy conditions, we're coming downhill and we're not afraid to do it. And so I think they need to invest in that type of a back. And I think Kareem Hunt's the perfect fit. What about Zeke Elliott, Mark? I mean, <laughs> sounds like it's possible Dallas cuts him loose, especially because they need to find money for Tony Pollard. Maybe they're contemplating finding a new quarterback following their exit to San Francisco are the Dallas Cowboys. What do you make of their situation that they find themselves in this offseason? Yeah, I don't think Zeke's the choice, but I know what you're saying. You know, I just uh, I feel like Zeke's right on the, the back nine, maybe on hole 16 or 17 already. And I think that he, that's why I think he's publicly come out and said, I'll take a pay cut just to stay because he realizes what his market probably really is. And it's not great. Um, you know, I, the Cowboys are a confusing team. I, I feel like they have the talent, but then you watch the game and, you know, you're watching a rookie quarterback. Obviously, Brock Purdy's playing to an ex- extreme level for a young guy, but you just you feel like offensively, you're wondering why they can't get it done. And I think because they just don't have ways to uh, fight the ball down the field. When they lost Pollard, that was a huge loss for them. I mean, you go all the way through the game, then you see that last play of the game. You're like, what is this? Like, I was like, okay, you're going to line up like that, which seems really rare. What are you going to do about it? It's just a disaster. And it felt like that was kind of like the overall concept going into the game where there was no real plan and when Pollard went down it kind of really took the, the life out of the, the Dallas Cowboys because they realized they didn't have that spark plug and even though you're trying to force the ball to CeeDee Lamb and he could still get open they needed that extra piece and Dalton Schultz is a good player but he's not Kittle he's not that kind of guy that's going to force the ball down the middle of the field and you're, you're worried about him you understand he's underneath and he's a good football player but he's not to that level so I, I feel like they need more skill stuff around them I think even though Michael Gallup's there, I feel like they need a, a you know a vertical real threat down the field that, that that you have to deal with, and I think they need a tight end that can stretch. But to me, uh, Dak just at the first half, uh, you know, went back to the Dak we'd seen before uh, his last playoff game against Tampa. Zeke Elliott, his last four playoff games, 55 carries for 151 yards. That is 2.7 yards per carry. Uh, that is not going to get it done. I think he was 10 for 26 against a tough Niners defense, but he had no burst. And yeah, you're right, Mark. As soon as Pollard went out there, you're like, ooh, this well, offense is You combine is a Pollard injury with the Dak throwing an interception yeah, on the next well, play, it, ex- that's exactly. as deflating as it gets. Mark Dominic, the former general manager of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, our guest here on First Stop. Sticking with the NFC East, the New York Giants, they get throttled by the Philadelphia Eagles. And they've got some... Mark, key free agents and big decisions to make for the future of their franchise. Mark, you have Daniel Jones, who was amazing against Minnesota, not so much against Philadelphia, and Saquon Barkley. I mean, I think they, I'm sure the Giants are looking over at their, their buddies at the Dallas Cowboys and looking at Zeke and being like, all right, are we going to commit big money in term to a running back? Didn't work out so well for them. If you were running the G-Man, how would you approach this offseason? Yeah, no, you're not really supposed to pay the running backs, right? You try to let them gum through and then and move and, and get to the next one. Saquon's a different dude for me. Uh, I think he's really come back and shown me that he can get back from that injury. And I also know what I'm getting off the field in terms of, like, uh, leadership, a man, uh, those things. And so I'm going to stick my neck a little bit out there and say that 12 to $15 million range on a three-year deal, I- I'd be willing to be in that range. If Saquon goes out there and can find a – 16 to 18 million dollar deal from a club then he's got to leave you just got to move on you can't afford to pay that position that kind of money after daniel jones you know i was uh thinking that his market was going to be right around that you know just north of ryan Tannehill, north of 28 to 30 million dollars i think because the problem you have if you're the giants is you realize that the landscape is scary uh because there's so many teams that need a quarterback 
and yet you realize that you see this Daniel Jones who you know took career highs and everything, but it didn't take much to take career highs and everything, right, guys? I mean, it wasn't like well, career wins, look, it was the all-time high, career yards, all-time high, career rushing, all-time high. Yeah, but his numbers were so bad that you know like, it should be all-time highs because those should be consistent, solid numbers, and that's why I think he's going to be between that. 32 to 35 because I think the Giants want to keep him, but I think they want to keep him on like a three-year deal. So I could see something like three years, $100 million of about 50, 60 million to guaranteed. And he stays in New York and tries to see if he can build on what he's got. So those are the ways I look at this team, but I wasn't surprised by that game. Uh, you could just feel the Eagles are just at a completely different level in terms of overall talent across the board. And Philadelphia proved that in that game. And certainly it's going to be an interesting matchup this week against the San Francisco team. Well, Mark, let's talk about that matchup. The The odds makers at FanDuel have Philadelphia, is it one and a half right now on the spread? Two and a half. Two, Two and, and a half, half on the spread, favored against San Fran. I don't know how you can view San Fran as an underdog just with the way that they're built. I know, you know people don't want to... They're, they're still a little sketchy or at least a little nervous to go all in on Brock Purdy, but the way this team is built around him is clearly a juggernaut. But so are the Philadelphia Eagles when Jalen Hurts is playing and when he's healthy. How would you handicap this matchup? Yeah, you know, I think by a three-point spread, it's hard for me not to see the Eagles win that game. I think to your point, Carlo, I mean, when you look at uh, what Jalen Hurts means to this football team and how devastatingly dangerous his legs are, as much as I, I can appreciate what the 49ers are on defense, and it's dynamic, it's it's tough, and and they played a really good Dallas defense. I mean, Dallas is a really talented defense, and they kind of held them down. I don't even think the Eagles are as good on defense as Dallas is, quite frankly. But I think they're so much more explosive on offense that I just don't think that this game's going to stay in the teens. I think this game starts to get in the 20s, mid to upper 20s, maybe even low 30s, where I think that the Brock Purdy, as much as I appreciate what he is so far. And what he can do, I just don't think they're going to be able to keep up the scoring against the Eagles' defense, and so I think this thing kind of pulls away a little bit more of an eight or nine point spread at the end. Mm. I think it's like thirty-one to twenty-two, twenty-three, something like that. Wow, uh, that I just high think scoring eh? is too talented. Well, let's talk about the AFC, and there's a big unknown, of course, with Mahomes, the high ankle sprain, what he's going to be able to do as far as his mobility goes. But let's assume he's like you know. 80%, which might be a stretch because that's a serious injury he has uh, undergone here. How do you handicap the Chiefs and the Bengals? We know this, the success that Cincinnati's had against Kansas City over the last couple of years. Do you think the Bengals can get back to the Super Bowl, Mark? You know, Aaron, it's a, this is a really tough one, right? Because you know that Patrick Mahomes sitting in a boot for the next couple of days, and he's going to come out of the boot, and they're going to be like, well, now we get to t- see what he can do and how his foot uh, feels usually you inject the foot before you put it in a boot and then you just leave it in there and you hope that you know when you come out Wednesday or Thursday out of that boot that, that you know the swellings come down and that he can put a lot of pressure on it he can you can wrap it enough to play here's the thing I'm, I'm out here in LA right now and I'm working with young players right now getting ready to be in the NFL draft and one of the questions I always ask them and Carl would ask you too but it's it's what's the worst thing about football Right, and there's two answers I always look to help these guys get to because some kids will, some kids will be like spring ball, it's the worst, or you know, like the lifting or something like that. The reality is one of the two worst things about football are injuries, right? Mm-hmm. And the other one's losing. Quite frankly, is what I teach these kids to you know learn how to say just because it makes sense once they hear it. But injuries is the same one. And, and when I talk to them, I'm using the uh, the actual situation now in Kansas City. I'm like. Imagine, it doesn't have to happen to you, but imagine being a member of the Kansas City Chiefs team right now and Patrick Mahomes is in a walking boot. You know, you, you feel like your entire season is now wrapped up in one piece. It just sucks because 
injuries can change everything overnight, and I think for Kansas City it just did. And so even if Patrick's out there, I don't think he's been 100%. And when I see what Joe Burrow and what the the – you know, the the energy that I think the Bengals have and the way they're played as a full team, uh, I think it's going to be too much because I don't think you're going to you're going to need 100 percent Patrick Mahomes. I just won't, I don't think he'll be there at that, and I think it's going to cost the Kansas City Chiefs a chance at, at the uh, Super Bowl. Mark, on Sunday morning, your former colleague Adam Schefter came out and reported that Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers could very well be headed for a divorce. Says a trade is a very real possibility. If you were the New York Jets, maybe the Raiders. Would you give up multiple first-round picks to bring in Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, I think I would give up two ones to get Aaron Rodgers. I don't think I'd give up three because I'm scared. I'd need to know because Aaron makes me nervous because I just don't know how many years he's going to play. And, and I don't want just a Band-Aid. I want, I want a couple-year fix. If I'm going to do this, I'm going to give up the collateral. I want to make sure I've got a pieces there for a couple years to at least have a chance to you know really put the team together and in case something crazy happens during the season. I've got another one to go. So I, I could give up two ones for Aaron Rodgers. Uh, you know, it's going to be just as interesting to watch Tom Brady. I'd be curious. I don't think they're, they're buddies or anything like that, but it'd be interesting to hear those two have a conversation like, where do you want to go? No, where do you want to go? But, um, it, you know, I think that I wouldn't, I don't think I would do it in, in New York with the Jets. And I don't think if I was Aaron Rodgers, I'd want to go to the Jets. I just think it's too far away, uh, meaning I, I like the team, but I don't think the pieces are all there to sit there and say, yeah, we can beat the Buffalo Bills next year and go. I just don't feel like the Jets are that close. I th- still think they have too many pieces that are missing on that team. But I think the Raiders are a team where you say it's intriguing. I think that maybe you could put it all together if you get Darren Waller on the football field uh, and, and, and there as part of that offense for a full set. Back with weeks. his boy, Devontae Adams. Yeah, well, that is part right. of it. But I don't know. If I'm Rodgers and Brady, I'm like, listen, I'm willing to go somewhere, but not the AFC. I have no interest in that murderer's row of quarterbacks you have to go through each and every year to get through the playoffs. I mean, it's it's crazy what's going on in the AFC versus the NFC, Mark, as far as the disparity in young quarterbacks as well. So many guys under the age of 25, 26, including, I mean, Burrow, Allen, Mahomes, Lamar, Herbert, Lawrence. I mean, it just goes on and on. So if I'm those elder statesmen, sign me up for a deal in the NFC. Thank you so much for getting up early for us. As you mentioned, you are out in L.A. We really appreciate this, Mark. Thank you. No, my pleasure, guy. Enjoy the games this week. I'll talk to you guys next week. You For got sure. it, pal. Um, that's Mark Dominic, our NFL insider in L.A., prepping some kids for the draft is something he does leading up to each and every draft. Or guy was an NFL general manager, and he gets you ready to go for the interviews and such leading up yep. to it. He's, got a, he's had a great resume up oh, until this point with Maybe the players got, that he's worked he's got I think some, he, like, inside, inf- inside information he could slide us, like for draft betting and stuff. On I, I don't know if he's that dialed mm, into like, positioning is. of the draft. I'll fire him a text. We'll see what he says. He's like, oh, fellas, I know exactly who's going number one. Don't worry. Yeah. Well, I think it's pretty safe to assume who's going number one. Yeah, I think. Well, you never know. Our producer yesterday, Slick Nick, believes that it'll be Will Levis going number one. Get so, out of here. I don't know. He, that guy has sources. Yeah. He's got sources in the soccer world, too. Yeah, he's CPL got, information, he's no got one. a lot of sources. Better than Nick McVicker. Uh, Craig Button, he's got a lot of sources. He'll join he us at 9.30. So does Josh Lewenberg in the world of the Toronto Maybe Raptors. Maybe some uh, of our audience, some of our listeners have some sources, and they can call us in and wake up Woodbridge yes. in the next 15 minutes. We would like that. The phone number is 416-870-1050. Wake up Woodbridge in about 12 minutes' time. We need your calls, people. Our phone line's operational, I hope, I believe. 
and we'll talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs and what they should be doing ahead of the deadline. The Leafs off today, back in action tomorrow night against the New York Rangers. We've also got our waste management keyword of the day, perhaps, coming up next.